0: Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Without further ado, please help me welcome on Dr. Michael Brown. Dr. Michael Brown, how are you? you, Thank you awesome I'm super excited to have you on tonight I'm honored to have you on again I know I had you on once before we talked about and guys if you haven't seen our video we did before we talked about a post-tribulation rapture it was an amazing time to this day Dr Brown I'm getting testimonies of people that watch that pastors that watched that and said man I just realized oh you're right pre-trib is not in the Bible so we had a really good time with that broadcast I'm super super excited to have you back on I definitely think tonight is a timely topic I would love for you if you if you're willing to maybe a little intro of yourself and then also we could just dive into the book that you've recently wrote start talking about that you've said that this is one of the greatest deceptions that you've seen in all your years of ministry and in your whole time of serving god which i believe is over 40 years if i'm not mistaken now and so if you would a little bit about you and then let's just dive into this super honored to have you on
1: yeah well thanks and and so glad to be with your great audience here god saved me in 1971 so it's been over 50 years Wow. in the lord and i started preaching in 73 so i've been preaching now for 49 years and had the privilege of of going around the world uh, as i was listening to all the countries like yeah i've been there been there <laughs> ministered outside the us on on 200 different trips wow. uh, so many times overseas all around the world and have seen god do uh, many extraordinary things had the privilege of, of being a leader in the Brownsboro revival served there from 96 to 2000 where we saw cumulatively As many as 3 million people come to the meetings, more than 300,000 different people responding to the altar calls. Out of that, our school was birthed. Out of that, a missions movement was birthed. And and these workers around the world, the fire is still burning in them. So we're talking about real, genuine visitation. But when God saved me, I was not just lost. I was was really lost. Mm. I was a heroin shooting LSD using proud hippie rock drummer. A Jewish kid, no interest in God, no faith in Jesus. Uh, I'd been raised in a nominal Jewish home, so I was bar mitzvah at 13, but that was much more of a, of, of a social event for me than a spiritual event. Mm. In fact, I was required to learn a certain portion of the Hebrew Bible and learn to chant it with the, with the proper accents and things, wow. but no one ever sat me down to say, okay, let's look at it in English And look at what you're actually saying. Nor did it dawn on me to look at that. It was just a ritual to get through with a big party afterwards. And I got caught up in the whole rock scene, counterculture, rebellion of the 60s. And it got radically saved in 71. I I went to a little gospel preaching church because my friends were going, the fellow band members. uh, They were going because they liked some girls who were going and God began to draw them in. So I went to kind of debunk the whole thing. People began to pray for me, God, brought me under heavy conviction. I had no idea what it was. Wow. I mean, literally, I'm getting high and boasting about it and stealing money from my own father and thinking I'm cool. And the next day, I'm feeling miserable about the exact same things, and I had no idea wow. why. It was the conviction of the Spirit. And when God revealed his love to me, which was through his joy being revealed to me, that only underscored. This was at a service where I had... I'd started to believe Jesus really died for my sins, but I wasn't ready to repent yet. And I had this battle back and forth for weeks, mm. you know, shooting dope one day, going to church the next. And then I had this encounter. It was December seventeenth of seventy-one, singing these little ditty hymns. Now remember, I was a rock drummer, and I went and saw bands Come like on. Led Zeppelin over and over. I saw Grateful Dead. I saw the Who. I saw you know the the Doors and famous bands. They saw Jimi Hendrix, and the music's so loud it you know shakes your your eardrums. I'm in this little church, pastor's wife playing piano, singing these old hymns. And I get so overwhelmed with the holy joy. I realize this is different than a drug high, a music high, a friendship high, a sports. This is of a different quality. This must be what they call the joy of the Lord. And right then, I had this clear internal vision, this picture in my mind's eye. I saw myself as filthy and dirty, then washed clean with the blood of Jesus, these beautiful white robes put on me. And I was going back and playing in the mud. And right then I said, Lord, I will never put a needle in my arm again. And was free from that moment on. And that was the, that was the beginning of the journey. My dad then said, when he saw it was real, Michael, I'm glad you're off drugs, but we're Jews. We don't believe in this. He mm. brought me to meet the local rabbi. And that led to me getting challenged deeply by one rabbi after another, after another, which is why I ended up taking Hebrew in college, majoring in Hebrew then getting my doctorate in Semitic languages. I, this was determined I had to read the scripture for myself in the original languages, in the ancient context, and not have to rely on what someone else said. And the more I studied, the more I was in hostile environments, the stronger my faith became. Wow. And then the key thing was word and spirit together. I started, you know, spirit, word, but in a non-intellectual way. Then I got very intellectual, Then God brought me to repentance of that pride in things in the early 80s, sent an outpouring of the spirit to me, and it's, it's been on fire ever since
0: amazing what I love about you Dr Brown is I feel like very few times do we see somebody that's so knowledgeable and you know has that intellect but is also spiritual is also spirit-filled is also charismatic it seems like well I think the cessationists think they have all the smart people on their side but I'm like man we have God has raised up some super super educated charismatics that believe in the power of God and I think there's a huge stigma in the church where it's like if you're intellectual you can't believe in the power of God you can't believe in miracles I even look at my ministry and people think like because i talk fast and i'm loud but i th- i think of man i just talk the book of Revelation every verse the book of Romans every verse the book of Acts every verse like I do verse by verse teachings as well yet it's so often that we always think like well if you're intellectual and you teach the Bible like whether it's verse by verse or you have a college degree you can't be spiritual but really I think God is marrying both I think God is marrying those that know the word that have the truth but also walk in the power of the spirit can you maybe talk a little bit about that tension because I know there's a lot of people that think all oh, those charismatics they just don't they don't know what they're talking about they don't know the Bible they don't know the word they're just not educated like we are in greek or hebrew yet here you are educated in both and you're and you're spirit filled and you believe in in the gifts and everything like that
1: yeah well you know we have caricatures on on both sides that the cessationists are intellectual and spiritually dead that the charismatics are are vibrant but deceived and and they tend to be caricatures and extremes and things like that and uh, often it's easy to, to get you know passionate and on fire and but you know if you think too much and you're going to parse this and you know there seems to be a conflict. I, I look at it like this, and just in terms of how we need the whole thing, because Jesus says that the Father is looking for people who worship Him in spirit mm. and in truth, not spirit or truth, but spirit and truth. And Jesus rebukes the religious leaders in Matthew 22, saying, "You're mistaken because you don't know the Scriptures." Or the power of God, right? Wow. So both of these things lead to error. But I look at it like this. You get a non-charismatic person, and they're watching TV, right? They're they're a Christian, and they're watching some Christian TV show, and a preacher comes on and says, the Lord just showed me 777. And right now, if you'll write out a check for $777, your mortgage will be canceled. Send it in right now so it will arrive by the 7th. And this person's watching and thinking, that's crazy, man. Who would ever do something like that? So they're much more circumspect and sober. But then they're in the mall, and there's a crippled person next to them, and they get this thought, pray for them. They're like, I'm not going to pray for them. Nothing's going to happen. Well, then their charismatic friend comes by, the one that wrote the $777 check to the TV preacher because he, he was gullible. He got pulled in, and the Holy Spirit speaks to him, lay hands on this person in the mall. They do. The person's healed. He tells his friend, the friend won't believe it, and you see, you know, the one group, they're more circumspect, but they're cynical. Mm. The other group, they're more open and full of faith, but they're gullible. So we wow. got to gotta bring these things together. And ask yourself a question. Men like Daniel and Joseph, who were used in dreams and visions and interpretation, were they not brilliant? And yes. were they not administrative? Or look at Paul, who when he comes to Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2 says, I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, because I don't want your faith standing in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I preach Christ crucified, but there's probably not a more brilliant man than Paul that that has lived. Mm. So both can come together. Both should come together. We're supposed to love God with all our heart and all our mind. Key thing is humble ourselves, forget what people think and, and how we're supposed to please them And give ourselves wholly to please the lord and if we do we'll find ourselves in the right place
0: so good so powerful so tonight guys we're going to talk about a great deception that we've seen in the church let me just say i want to just give kind of my side on it i have yet to talk politics ever on the channel i will say this first of all i voted for donald trump so what you hear us talking about tonight i want you to keep in your mind i voted for trump this is the main reason why is because he's pro-life I look at the the highest priority I have when voting for a political candidate is life is the abortion issue so when I see a a candidate that's pro-life and a candidate that's pro-choice no matter what every other characteristic or every other personality or every other thing is lower to me than the issue of life I feel like that's the highest issue so I voted for Trump I also love America I'm an American I love it but what I'm afraid we've done and what we'll talk about tonight and a big frustration I've never talked about on the channel I've had is the politics gospel and you say it kind of like this of wrapping the cross in an American flag or wrapping the gospel in an American flag and even during Trump's election even during the whole pandemic I I felt like there was a great divide in the church. And even I felt it with friends of mine because I felt as if if I didn't speak up for Trump or if I didn't speak up and rally for a political candidate, I'm somehow like some lukewarm preacher. And I got nonstop attacked. Why are you not speaking out for Trump? And why are you not saying publicly you support? And why are you not preaching politics? And I had friends that I I feel like, and I don't want to generalize here, but they got swept into this whole cult of politics this whole cult of speaking more about Trump and many of my preacher friends to this day we've talked about this have spoke spoke more highly of Trump on their pages for almost a year than they did of even Jesus. Like I would look at some of their pages and I was thinking, man, you're posting more about what Trump is doing than what God is doing, what Trump is doing than what the Holy Spirit's doing in the church. And so I feel like we got away from the message of the gospel for about a year, could have been longer, could have been shorter, and we really preached this message. And I I kept reading texts like, we're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. We're no longer, we're sojourners. We're no longer part of this world. We're pilgrims passing through. And I thought in my head, How is it if we're citizens of another kingdom, we're so pledging our allegiance to this world, to this government, and to this kingdom. And I think the sentiment was, and I'll let you go here, was if we could get Trump back in office, we can see revival. Like as if revival was dependent on Trump being in office and I just kept feeling like, man, what about if we got prayer back in the church? What if people turned from their sin? What if we hungered and thirst for righteousness? I mean, that's the biblical way of seeing revival, not not that we have some new leader in the Roman government, because the greatest revival we see in the Bible happened under a government that killed Christians for sport, and yet there was revival happening. And so I felt that way. I felt frustration again. I wasn't making it public. I wasn't doing live streams about it and being angry at people and getting mad, but behind closed doors I talked to friends like man I feel like we've gone too far with politics and with this political agenda and I saw many preachers I feel swept into this deception and we're seduced by a political agenda. Again, first time ever we talk politics on the channel. You are the right person, Dr. Brown, to do it. You've just written a book. Would you, I would love for you to maybe intro this, talk to us about why you wrote the book, maybe what you thought. I could be shooting way off here of what I felt, what I was going through. But I think there was, for me, just personal frustration with, if you're not preaching Trump, then you're not a good Christian. And if you're a good Christian, you need to preach Trump. So maybe just give me your thoughts on, on that. Yeah,
1: so let me let me give you the overview and and I'm going to be just absolutely blunt and honest. So I voted for Trump in 2016 and 2020. And for me it came down to Trump versus Hillary Clinton, Trump versus Joe Biden. Mm. And to me there were really existential issues. I was concerned about Trump's conduct and and the degree that he could be divisive, the degree that that he could uh, be destructive in certain ways, but I weighed it and I said, look, There's nothing more important to me also than the pro-life issue. And we have Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden very, very strongly pro-abortion candidates. Uh, President Biden's morphed more and more into that as the years have gone on. I look at the issues of religious liberties, and I had concerns about where things would go with the Democrats, but but Trump was really pledging to stand with us. Now, I was concerned because I didn't know that he would keep his word. I initially, I completely rejected him, thinking he's just some New York politician who's going to do what he's going to do, get all these evangelicals to vote for him and then throw them out. But he didn't. He, he kept evangelicals around him. He brought on people like Mike Pence. He brought Christians onto his cabinet. He was surrounded. Some of my friends were close to him and were giving me input you know, and telling me he's listening and we're speaking. This is why he made this good decision and so on. They appointed the right people to the Supreme Court, standing with Israel. That was really important to me. Standing uh, up to to communist China, standing against world terrorism, so these are big issues. No, I didn't mm. like his tweets. I didn't like the way he threw people under the bus. But I'm comparing the two. It's like this is the way I'm going to vote. But I had concerns, and 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 my wife Nancy said the greatest concern is the way he's affecting the church. Mm. And as things went on, this is this is what deeply burdened me. And the new book just came out last week. The political seduction of the church for those for those that like to read on uh in e-form i I just saw the kindle was on sale before we got on here the political seduction of the church how millions of american christians have confused politics with the gospel wow political seduction of the church now listen seduction doesn't happen overtly It normally happens in a surprise way, in an unsuspecting way, rather than through the front door, it comes in through the side window. Here's what happened. We really are under attack in many ways in America. There really is an attempt to cancel us. There really is an attempt to marginalize us, to silence us, to demonize us. And and there are political agendas from those on the left that are very deeply against our own views and that we think could hurt our kids and our grandkids. We finally have somebody who keeps his word, but he fights for us Wow! and they push him and he pushes back and he's going to stand up for the Christians. And what happened is kind of a loyalty grew through this. I'll, I'll give you an analogy. Let's say you move into the suburbs, a nice house, and your next door neighbor is, is a mixed martial artist fighter. He used to crack people's heads open in the bars. Now he's a professional, you know, tattooed all over drinking parties at his house. Rough guy, not the one you want your kids to to be around that much. But one day you you, your kids come home from school and they've been beat up by some of the kids. And the kids say, my dad hates Christians and he's coming to to get you guys tonight. And the guy pulls up. He's a madman. He's got a crowbar. He's he's got friends with him. They, They jump you and your neighbor. Comes out and with his own teeth and fists and elbows, he beats him off. He gets bloodied. He says, Don't you ever come here? You come here again, I'll kill you. Your neighbor's now a bit of a hero to you.
0: Wow. You Normally like his wow. style,
1: you still don't like his profanity and his drinking, but the guy saved your life. So the more Trump stood up, the more this cult of Trump began to rise up. Again, I'm saying this as a two-time Trump voter. Same. That, that the, the, the mentality was, and I heard the word spoken, only Trump can save America. You think, wow. something wow. wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. From churches are saying this. Yeah, yeah, Christian leaders are saying it. And then all the major prophetic voices, everyone that was speaking publicly, guaranteeing four more years, four more years. I was hoping they were right, but I'm thinking, if this is wrong, this is serious. I mean, after mm-hmm. the fact, when he did not get his eight, the guaranteed eight consecutive years in the White House, whether the elections were stolen or not, the fact is, he did not get the guaranteed eight consecutive years. I was asked by the New York Times about this. I said, it is the worst deception I've ever seen at that time in 49 years. Wow. I mean, you're talking about major voices, you're talking about major churches saying God has spoken this and then believing conspiratorial theories and well, as we got closer and closer to the elections and I saw almost a fanatical support for Trump, I saw more prayer for the elections Come on. than any other subject in my entire life as a believer. I saw people far more passionate about winning the elections than winning the lost. And, you know, when Jesus said that the world will know we're Christians by our love one for another. I wrote an article saying the world will know we're Christians now by our hate one for another. We were savaging each other. Our our social media pages, here here we post a beautiful scripture. Here we post our favorite worship song on YouTube. Now the next thing is a meme attacking the other political candidate. Or here's a meme making fun of of Joe Biden who's senile. I'm thinking, "We're, we're believers. And then on the other side, if, if you vote for Donald Trump, you're not saved. One's wow. One side saying, if you don't vote for Trump, you're, you're not saved. The other side saying, if you do vote for Trump, you're, you're not saved. And I'm thinking, I thought Jesus was the dividing line, not, not Trump. So it, it became kind of this madness. I saw good people lose their way. Uh, Isaiah, I'm talking about seasoned ministers of the gospel wow. telling me, you watch. Joe Biden will not be inaugurated. I have inside information. I'm telling you, the military is about to take over and install oh, Trump. Oh, man, I got and, those and they, text they're messages telling me It's, not, it's not even Biden who's there. It's somebody else. And I'm saying, this is QAnon conspiracy. This is all this is. And they said, I never heard of that. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm talking ministers of the gospel. Isaiah in, in the aftermath of the elections, now they're prayer tours, city after city after city. We're going to overturn this prophet saying, you watch, the blue states are going to go red the, on this date, in this state. Friends were sending me these clips. Critics, charismatic critics are saying, you guys are all crazy. Look at this. Mm. Everybody's wrong. Point after point after point. I I saw Christian leaders, good people online, calling down curses. Wow. Christian leaders calling down curses on those who allegedly stole the elections. And this is the only way we're going to stop this. And I'm thinking we've lost our way. And the moment I began to address this, uh, it, now it was only a small portion of my Facebook followers. And, and if I lose everyone for righteousness, so be it, that's zero concern. But instantly I, the moment I called out the false prophecies, which i have been doing leading up to it saying, we got to be honest. If we get it wrong, it's either yes or no. No, no, no excuses. No, no make-believe answers. Either you got it right or you got it wrong, instantly, overnight. Ten thousand people. Goodbye. That, that I dared to address Q. When I talked about it on the air, I brought an expert on. The moment I did, people went ballistic on my Facebook page. Doctor Brown, I've been following you for years, but now I see you're a communist. You're a Rhino. You're working wow. for the left. You, you've been paid by the deep state. I'm thinking, how, how did this happen? What happened? How did we get under the spell? Hence the title of the book, The Political Seduction of the Church. It happened in front of our eyes. And here's the bad news. As best as I can tell, we have not yet learned our lesson. Hmm. When I tried to address things, I went away on a prayer retreat, December 2020, just to be with the Lord, eight days alone with God. And while I was alone, overwhelmingly, I knew Trump will not be inaugurated. The courts will not overturn this. I was hoping that something would happen and that the profits would be right. I knew it wouldn't happen. So I was waiting for the right moment to share it publicly. And January 6th, as the Capitol is being stormed, I, I knew this is the time to tell everyone it's over. I'm not talking about 2024, or what might happen in the future. I'm telling you, Donald Trump will not be back in office during this term. People went Ballistic. You, you're like the 10 spies. You're full of unbelief. We're going to be like Joshua and Caleb. I mean, I was working wow. for Mossad. I mean, people posting the craziest things. I'm saying, where are you getting this from? What, what happened to men and women of God? What happened to godly pastors? And, and then, then after the inauguration, I thought, okay, it's it's happened. Joe Biden's inaugurated. Can we talk about? It? No, 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 no. It's too soon. We're too hurt. I wait a few months can we talk about it now why are you bringing up the past and i thought wow we still have not learned our lesson and then you get these prophets going on with their messages with tens of thousands of likes and amens donald trump is ruling from heaven god showed me trump seated on the throne with the golden scepter he's ruling from heaven Ooh. he's the real president people have gone into complete fantasy and deception it's the truth and if we don't wake up now it's only going to get worse
0: it's so alarming Dr Brown because as you say that not a lot but there's there's you know there's 3,300 people on here right now and there's still people in the chat saying Donald Trump is president and Joe Biden is not the president but it it shows some of these people in here are proof the deception so strong and I would challenge some of you in the chat to pray saying Lord remove this these blinders like you're out of touch with reality if you honestly think that donald trump is the president and joe biden isn't you you've lost touch with reality and this is what we're seeing in the church now i want to ask you let's just zero in a little bit here on the trump prophets okay i've wanted to talk about this for like over a year on the channel what in the world happened because i i let me just say this i didn't ever prophesy anything about trump so all in the chat like isaiah did you prophesy trump no i didn't say a word about trump being president god never showed me anything i didn't see trump president but on the flip side I had some really, really mutual friends. We won't mention their names. I don't think they would care if we did, but we won't. But mutual friends of mine and yours that were very big public figures getting hundreds of thousands of views on their videos. And every other day, they were prophesying Trump, dreams of Trump, visions. And and there was multiple. I'm not just zeroing out one guy or girl. But this was like... It felt like most of the prophetic movement was prophesying Trump, was saying Trump is gonna be president, God has shown me in the dream, a vision. There is, there's, it's inevitable, there's no other. And so everybody was like, there's no chance Trump won't be. All the prophets have spoken. And I'm talking, of course, the major, in the major people in the prophetic movement. And then here you are, Trump's not president. How, Doctor Brown? What is your evaluation? How did so many guys? Was it was it just deception? Was it intentional? Was it? In my mind, it was. You know, the Bible talks about how they would prophesy, and then other prophets would copy, saying, "The Lord showed me this." And he mm-hmm. and God says, "The Lord didn't show you. You're just mimicking what you heard somebody else say." And I felt like there was like a chain reaction of once a couple guys started speaking this prophetic word. Everybody saw that it was getting views and let's just be honest. Everybody saw it was getting news coverage I was watching I was over here, you know trying to stream my podcast I'm just being vulnerable tonight I'm streaming my podcast trying to preach and bring on guests and then at the same time I'm live You know with a thousand viewers I see another channel that was all about Christian politics with 10,000 live viewers and I was like man This is really selling like the views are coming in the followers are coming in People are making hundreds of thousands of dollars on YouTube ad revenue because they're prophesying Trump It was almost like a drunkenness. It was a drunkenness that almost took over the prophetic movement and everybody was just mimicking the same words. And my question is like, what is your thoughts? How did we miss it? How is it possible so many prophetic people could be so wrong on this?
1: Yeah, so I I try to trace that out in the book. So in the political seduction of the church, I have one chapter called when the prophets prophesied falsely. Mm. And then the next chapter, the Genesis a false prophecy where I trace how these things can happen. So let's go back in time when there were prophecies before Trump's 2016 victory, that he was going to be elected president. It, it seemed outrageous. There were a handful of voices initially that said it. Uh, some of them, the moment they said it, there it was backlash. They go, look, I don't like the guy myself. I'm just telling you, I believe the Lord showed me this, you know, it was very controversial. And then more and more got on board. Well, once it became popular, mm. people are people. Humans are human. So there is presumption. This is a, a constant prophetic weakness, right? Any of us who've ever ministered prophetically yes. know this can happen. You got it right the first time. You're presumptuous the second time. This worked the first time. It's going to work the second time. So presumption certainly explains it for some. Uh, another thing is, as you said, the crowd. Uh, there, there, there were seasoned prophets who've confessed I I got it wrong because everybody else was saying it. You don't want to be left out. You don't Mm. want to be the one, you know, I I was in a meeting one time and, and, and the leader said, how many of you just felt that wind or smelled something, whatever it was, and (laughs) everyone's raising their hand. You don't want to be the one to know. I'm not spiritual enough. So yes, this can happen to people. Just like a pastor of a big church can avoid certain subjects because he knows he's going to lose givers. You know, Mm. people are human. So There is presumption. There there is going along with the crowd. Another thing is being seduced by power. The court profits. I wrote in in 2018, my book, Donald Trump is not my savior. An evangelical leader speaks his mind about the man he supports as president. So I said openly, yes, I support him as president, but I want to scream to the world. He's not my savior. Jesus is my savior. That's what I want the world to hear. Trump uh, here. Jesus died for me. I owe him everything, my life, my heart, my soul, everything I have belongs to him. I vote for a candidate. They're they're two completely different universes. So in that book, I talked about the need for for prophets to not be court prophets, the ones who just said what the, the king wanted to hear. So it's very easy. We got seduced by power. That's something else that came in. Or it could be we got seduced by all the people flooding to our sites or buying our product or, or were the popular, whatever it was, or the meetings we got invited to be part of. That as well. And I also believe that there was a spirit of deception, mm. that for some, they were given over to a spirit of deception. Now, let me, let me back up we've had some things happen in the last 15 years in the charismatic movement that have been national embarrassments i mean really really bad involving some of our senior leaders friends of mine i don't condemn them i'm sure i've made my share of mistakes as well but things that that you have to look and say okay god's god's disciplining us yeah as a movement for our lack of discernment all right we had perfect opportunities to wake up to reality when all of our major prophetic voices that spoke got COVID wrong. Mm. None of them announced it in advance in a clear way. I mean, some said afterwards the Lord had shown them, but no one was announcing it in a clear national way in terms of major prophetic voices in advance to warn, to prepare. And then when it happened, there was a chorus of voices saying it's going to be over by Passover, by mid-April of 2020. When that didn't happen... And now a year later, it still hasn't happened. You know, and we're even into the year after that, and it's still waning. It hasn't, hasn't dissipated the way it was supposed to. That should have been the wake-up call. That should have been the time to say something's wrong. We're out of our lane. That's another factor. Maybe New Testament prophecy is not supposed to be primarily about predicting who's going to be the president. Wow. Maybe wow. the purpose of New Testament prophecy is very different than that. And maybe we make a mistake. When we sit down with a bunch of prophets and say, what did the Lord show you? So uh, there there are a bunch of factors together. And then some people personally were in sin and therefore given over to deception all the more. These are some of the factors in terms of what happened. But in in advance, initially, I just put something out because I wanted to put a net out because God didn't speak to me. God's never spoken to me about who's going to be president. I've never heard that. Anytime I ever sense something about like a sports event or something I care about or political thing, it's just what I'm thinking. Mm. When I've gotten true prophetic words, it's been very, very different. So I didn't hear anything either way, but I I knew if this doesn't happen, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, a lot of fallout. So I tried to put a net out. And and then as we got closer, I really felt to bring a very, very strong word and say, either you're right or you're wrong. Mm. If you're right, we commend your courage speaking this out when the polls are saying other things, speaking this out when it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. We commend your courage. And now that it seems that the election has been lost and it's going to take a miracle to overturn the results and you're still holding to it, if you're right, I am going to absolutely commend you for your boldness and not not cowering and not giving up. What great courage. But if you're not, admit that you missed it. And please don't play games. So I gave this example, Isaiah. Isaiah. The church in which I got slaved, the little Italian Pentecostal church, the pastor once told this story. I don't know if it was made up or a real story, but it it was a funny and sad illustration. So there's a prophetic brother who has a word over a sister in the church at the end of a service, a visiting minister. And he tells her, the Lord's calling you to be a missionary and you are going to China. Then on his way out in the back of the building, there's a man there. He has a word for him. The Lord's calling you to the mission field and you are going to India. India. Turns out they were a couple, they were just in two different parts of the building. He didn't know that. So they get in the car and they're all excited. And the wife says, The man of God had a word for me. And and the husband says, He had a word for me too. And and what was the word? And and she said, We're going to be missionaries. He goes, Yes, we're going to be missionaries. And and she says, We're going to China. He goes, "Uh, No, 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 we're going to India. No, no, we're going to China. No, India. No, the man of God said China. No, the man of God said India. So they said, let's go in and talk to him. So he's still in the building and they tell him what happened. He goes, oh, no, no, no. The Lord is calling you to Indochina. And I said, please, no Indochina words. And then boom, here they come. Oh, he was elected, but the election was stolen. It's like, hang on. Why didn't God tell you it was going to be stolen? Mm. Doesn't that isn't the issue who's actually in the White House, not who theoretically won the election. And did any human being on the planet when you guaranteed Trump four more years, did any human being on the planet think for a minute that you meant he's going to win the election but not Mm. serve in the White House? Come on. Mm. Well, he really is president in the spirit. And it's no more of this Indochina nonsense. But this is this is part of the problem. For years, some of us have been calling for more accountability in our movement as an unashamed, tongue-talking, charismatic who believes in the gifts and power of the Spirit, who's laid hands on tens of thousands of people and seen the fire of God burn in their lives. I'm unashamedly Pentecostal charismatic, but I and others for years have been saying we must have accountability, and this is the result of it. It has brought, think of this, it has brought mockery. to the name of Jesus, and to the reputation of the Holy Spirit before a watching world. That's what grieves me most of all.
0: Absolutely, and I think you know, like you said, it's broader approach to the gospel. You shared in your book. There's a story, and I'm on. I think I'm on chapter 13 or 12 of your book. I'm almost done with it. But you share a story of a young man that told his unbelieving family, "Hey, listen, God is real, and Trump's going to be elected, and this is going to be a prophetic sign." Based on, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just giving the gist of it. Like this is going to be a sign to you, God is real. And he said that when Trump wasn't elected. He said i can never talk to my parents about the lord ever again because in their minds like in his mind this was going to be the word that comes to pass now let me ask you so that there is absolute real damage and danger is this a possibility because i know people in the chat are going to ask this i've thought about this as well is there which this might even be negligible but is there a possibility that the word was trump president and the people of God or there is judgment on the land or it's like Jonah says God's going to bring you know you probably know where I'm going with this God's going to bring destruction and the king in Nineveh says nobody's eating nobody's drinking the animals are going to fast and God relents from destroying the city because of the way the people responded is there even a biblical possibility or is this completely out of left field when people say well maybe the word was right But we didn't respond and so we know god elects according to the book of romans god chooses leaders we know god elects presidents and kings man doesn't it's all in god's plan is it possible that we didn't respond america the church whatever you want to say and that joe biden is the judgment of god when in reality god's word was trump is that even is that way out in left field is that not even a possibility biblically is that like totally stretching things to say something like that or even to think that's a possibility
1: Right, so let me break it down into three parts. Is there a precedent for God saying something, and then because of the response or non-response of people doing differently? Of course, it's a principle laid out in Jeremiah eighteen that whenever God is going to bless a nation, if they turn away from God and go to sin instead of blessing, He'll judge. And if He's about to judge, and they turn to Him in repentance, then instead of judging, He'll bless it. He'll bless. So that's an absolute precedent and can easily happen. So number two that had happened in this case no i never saw so much prayer in my life Mm, i never saw so many people crying out to god and and saying god hear us and have your way in the elections and your will be done And like i said even even prayer tours from city to city and live streams with tens of thousands of people participating so it doesn't work well the lord showed us but we didn't pray enough we prayed more than ever saw us pray Mm, so that leads to the third question then could joe biden be divine judgment yeah, that that would make sense to me. In in other words, my own belief is that if we had not looked to Trump in an idolatrous way, mm. and if he had just become a more decent human being, because division gets so deep, you know, when you have people saying "hang Mike Pence" as a result of, of President Trump throwing him under the bus, I mean that that kind of leadership is is destructive to a nation, no matter how much good is done in in other ways. So I do believe that if the church did not look to trump in such an idolatrous way and if he had simply listened to some of the counsel he was getting and just become a more decent human being that he would be the president now mm. and that it would be for our good for the nation's good but we looked to him a wrong way uh, he didn't humble himself in certain ways that he he needed to and it could well be that it's divine judgment to give us President Biden, we we pray for him. We pray for his salvation. Yeah, we don't curse him. We ask God to save him. And by the way, I had a time on my Facebook page to release a prayer for President Biden the moment he was inaugurated on 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 that day in January of 2021, and to have First Timothy two that we should pray for leaders for their salvation. Well, the great majority. I get thousands of responses. The great majority. We're saying amen, but there were plenty of others. I would not pray for him. I'd rather pray for the Antichrist. That's the devil. We only speak curses. I'm thinking further proof that we've lost our way. Here's the thing, though. When we have our guy, so those that voted for Trump and liked him, when you have our guy in the White House, you pray, but you really look to God to work through the White House and through the president. When you have someone that you consider hostile, many of us would look at Joe Biden as hostile. You don't look to the White House. You look to God. And it's no surprise that we often have the greatest waves of revival and the greatest outpouring in the most difficult situations. My question is, we know how to thrive as the persecuted minority in the country. Can we thrive with political power, prosperity and a majority in a country? That is the great challenge. And I don't believe we've passed that test well
0: wow and you look at that's the theme of the entire old testament god blesses the people they worship the blessing they worship the idol god takes it away allows them to go into captivity and exile and then they cry out to God. This is the whole book of Judges is literally this. They cry out, Lord. God raises up a judge, delivers them once again, brings them into a land of prosperity. They go and worship the prosperity, worship the idols, the the creation. The Bible says instead of Creator. And then God sends them back into the same cycle of into bondage. So they'll cry out again. And this is a real issue: is we struggle to praise God when things are well. We struggle to praise God when times aren't hard. Often, many of us go to God like he's you know an insurance policy. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. let me just take him out of my glove box i've wrecked my life again and let me call jehovah geico and see if he can come fix my thing or god is a a magic butler for us and ring our bell when we need god to clean up a mess or god is a fire escape you know we look to god in these areas where we ignore him all of our life until we need him and definitely that's the theme of the american church if you don't mind i want to read a segment one of my favorite segments of your book i have a couple segments i want to read but let me read this one specifically you say this to be clear and it's a little bit long but it's so good we should have political involvement since politics intersects with culture and culture intersects with morality and the kingdom of God intersects with politics and culture and morality so to be clear you're saying we should have political involvement but we interact as citizens of a heavenly kingdom not owned by a party or a politician standing for causes and issues more than peoples or parties we are above politics Even while we vote and lobby and work within politics, we breathe a different spirit and carry a different identity, one that is beyond party affiliation. As for our witness to our communities, we are to be far better known. I love this so much. We are to be far better known as followers of Jesus than supporters of a candidate. Well, too often the opposite is true. Everyone knows who we're voting for, but few know who we worship. The signs in our front yard say it all, as do the hats, the shirts we wear, and the bumper stickers on our cars. We shout our support for Trump or Obama, you put in parentheses, or Biden, for the world to hear while we virtually whisper our solidarity with Jesus. Let me say that one more time. This is too, too good right here. You say that we shout our support for Trump, Biden, or Obama while the, for the world to hear while we virtually whisper our solidarity with Jesus. We must use wisdom, we say, and worst of all, we become just like the political system at its worst crude and cruel boisterous and bigoted divisive and demeaning merciless and mocking what has happened to this heavenly calling what has become of our union with the Lord instead of a beautiful aroma there is a stench instead of the Holy Spirit there is carnality instead of peace and joy there's turmoil and strife we resemble bickering children more than priests in God's temple carrying ourselves like angry sports fan rather than a sacred bride we sound more like nasty political pundits than the people of God or members of the Messiah and then you say this God's word calls us to live like this and then you quote Ephesians 5 1 through 2 therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. How different is this than the spirit of politics? But to repeat, this does not mean that we disengage from politics. Especially when we live in a democratic republic like America. It's the way we engage that matters. And I'm almost done here. Let me just read a little bit more. We never sell our souls we never compromise our values. We never trade expendency for ethics. In short, we do not lower ourselves into the muddy waters of political systems, and they are muddy. Shall we call them a swamp question mark? Instead, we get involved as members of a third. Oh, I love this, man. I felt the Holy Ghost. We get involved as members of a third higher party casting our votes and calling for a- action in keeping with our moral and ethical values. We transcend politics just as disciplined elite athletes transcend the jeering of the crowd. He or she should not run into the stands and scream at a heckler. To do so is both demeaning and dangerous. And the last segment I want to read. Instead we get involved as members of a third higher party casting our votes and calling for action and keeping morals and ethical values Oh, you know, I already read that here. Okay. In fact, it's a professional athlete acted that way They would be fined and disciplined. They are expected to be above such squabbles bigger than the fans and their petty insults ask yourself for a moment How would you feel if the Queen of England jumped into a crowd of protesters screaming out profanities and swinging her fists the Queen? Question mark. It's the same with us as God's people except infinitely more so our royal status is much higher than that of any earthly monarch how dare we stoop so low so we pray for our national leaders but we are not politically partisan meaning we don't identify primarily with a party rather than an issue. Wow, I know the whole chat right now is spamming fire emojis and they're all probably going to buy the book right now. That that to me and again I'm on chapter I think 12 or 13 so I'm towards the end of the book. I'm about 80% done. That was one of the most powerful segments in the book because you're you're contrasting you're saying look we're not throwing out politics we're not here tonight to say we don't do politics we don't get involved and you know I often say I don't speak on politics and I say that because God has specifically told me stay focused on what I've called you to preach so it's not wrong that people are speaking on politics it's just personally my personal calling and you're not saying throw out politics we're not for po- po- presidents or Trump of course God has a say in all of this but what you are saying is We're a part of a real heavenly kingdom, a real citizen, a third party that's stronger than, you know, an elephant or stronger than a donkey or stronger than this or stronger than another political figure. But we're part of a heavenly kingdom. Talk to us a little bit about the quotes I just read. I know I read a lot there, but I, I couldn't stop. I kept copying and pasting more and more as I was trying to get ready for this podcast. You know, we do get engaged. How are some ways we get engaged and what are some of your thoughts on Christians being in political realms?
1: Right. So uh, let me just back up and say, when I was writing The Political Seduction of the Church, something was bothering me. I was maybe halfway through the book, and something just didn't feel right, and I didn't know what it was. And, and then I, I felt, okay, I've got it. Early in the book, so after the first chapter where I talk about how Christians now are being called insurrectionists and all this, it's you a know, pretty vivid, gripping chapter. Chapter two is, is the transcendent calling of the church. Mm. I felt God wanted me to put right in front of the book who we are, who we are in Jesus, how we're called to walk, what it means to be citizens of a heavenly kingdom living in this world, the light that we're supposed to bring in the midst of it so that everything else is filtered through that. When we understand our calling, when we understand that we're seated in heavenly places with the Messiah, when we understand that we're in this world and not of it, that we have the power and authority of his kingdom. Now we come and we serve. Now we come and we give. Now we come and we we get involved. So, yes, across all sectors, we get involved. I deal with what about Seven Mountains Mandate? What about Dominionism? Is the church called to take over society? What about Christian nationalism? All the hot button issues that, trust me, you're going to hear about day And night for the next few years, day and night, Christian nationalism, Christians trying to take over America, Christians trying to take dominion, what's true, what's false, deal with all of that, but then try to lay out practical guidelines. Here's how we get involved in a practical way, because we should be involved. If we don't get involved, we're not going to be able to have this conversation online. If we don't get involved, there won't be a school we can send our kids to that's not teaching a radical curriculum that we differ with. If we don't get involved, it's going to hurt our world missions work and, and, and other things. And if America's not free, it's going to hurt the rest of the world in many other ways. So we do get involved, but we keep our priorities right. We do get involved, but as believers, we never become an appendage of a political party. We do get involved, but we don't mix national identity with, with the faith. We don't, miss, we don't mix uh, spirituality with patriotism. We can love our country. We can love the Lord at the same time, but we realize that politics is not the gospel and Come that the on. government is never going to set the captives free or Come heal the on. sick or, or save the lost. Only the gospel can do that. And we, we never compromise our ethics. We never sell our souls for a seat at the table of power or influence. And, and listen, it's much easier for that to happen than we realize. That's why there are so few Christians it can really start low in politics and make it all the way up because the further up you get, the uglier it gets, the dirtier it gets. I just talked to a, a former school teacher in the school system in New York for over 20 years, uh, felt that he was not to get vaccinated, lost his job because of it, felt that he should run for office as a Republican, running against an incumbent Republican just for a local seat in New York. He told me, he said, I, I could not believe how much evil there was in my own party Wow. And what they did to me to keep me down. This is just local, small politics. So it's very challenging. That's why people appreciated Trump. He he, he couldn't be bought. He, he stood his ground. I appreciate that as well. But the fact is, to the extent, to say it again, we are better known as supporters of a political candidate than followers of Jesus. Something is terribly, deeply wrong. And uh, as practically as I can, I give 17 points in the last chapter. And I said, okay, in my previous books, 2018, 2020, about Trump and believers, where I wrote as a Trump supporter, but with my list of concerns, how did we do? Here are 17 points. Did we get caught up with election fever? Did we put the cross before the flag? Did we just go through my list? By my count, we failed on 15 of the 17 points. Okay, so let's learn from that. Let's retrace our steps. And let's get it right. Let's get our priorities right. Let's realize that the hope of America is a healthy, thriving church. I did a Twitter poll the other day, and I was very pleasantly surprised by the results. I said, if we had to choose one or the other, getting our person in the White House or or, uh, the church keeping its testimony before the society, which is more important, 95 plus percent said the church keeping its testimony before society. Come on. Let's do that. Put that first and then have a healthy involvement in politics. We vote. We're informed. Some are called to lobby. Some are called to run, be it for school board or for president. And and wonderful. But when it comes to running, you're running as the president of all the people. You can't say, well, I'm a Christian candidate, therefore, I'm going to enforce Christianity on the nation. No, you're going to say, a christian candidate i love jesus but i want to be the president of the whole nation and we want to look at the things that are best for the nation as a whole not just because the bible says so but because this is best for the nation as a whole we have to present our case yes we want to change laws but even more importantly we have to change hearts because if we just change laws without changing hearts the thing's gonna boomerang come back at us even worse than when it started so i wrote political seduction of the church not to find fault but to say, we've got to learn these lessons now. The hope, the future of America depends on the church learning these lessons and not getting seduced so that we can help lead the
0: way in a godly way so good let me read one more quote here it says probably the most grievous thing that has taken place in recent years in our conservative evangelical circles is that some christian politicians have sold out we became and this is true not just for politicians and i want to say also for christians but we've become more identified with trump or another candidate than we have with jesus or perhaps worse still we equated trump with jesus meaning that if that if you were for jesus then you were also for trump It even felt as if they were equally passionate about both, if not even more passionate politically than spiritually. And in the eyes of the watching world, a world with millions of young people who are paying attention, we resembled, listen to this guys, this is so strong here, we resembled disciples of Trump more than disciples of Jesus. What a costly failure for the people of God and what a tragedy for those that we are called to reach. I think this really drives the point home is that we're again, not against politics or against Trump. We both voted for Trump due to the issue of life like we said in the beginning but when you have pastors out here that you know are wrapping their pulpits in the american flag and and preaching and i dr brown i kid you not we both saw this all through the elections they would preach 45 minute long sermons on trump they were up in the pulpit what were they saying let's go brandon in mega churches mega church and if you guys don't know what let's go brandon is it's it's a way of saying f uh, Joe Biden you know those if you guys don't know what happened that was an interview and a guy you know in the back said F Joe Biden and they said what did he say he said, oh they said let's go Brandon so it's a it's a meme of that but churches were saying and chanting mega churches let's go Brandon let's go Brandon and then actually a church i i've preached at before they went viral for sending curses to joe biden and his family i mean they got up there saying lord strike him dead on video and this went viral viral and they asked me to speak 2 months later and i was like no chance I'm, there's no chance you're going to get me to come speak because i already knew they were under everything that was going on but then you have these pastors saying let's go brandon you have pastors sending curses literally and you talk about this in your book Literally sending curses to Joe Biden saying, Lord, strike him dead. Lord, kill his family, kill his wife, kill his kids, you know, kill Hunter Biden. I mean, these are Christians saying this. Meanwhile, the world laughs at us. The atheism, uh, there's an atheism Reddit that was just the entire Reddit on atheism was viral with every Christian leader saying all these things for months. I mean, the reproach that it brought to the gospel. Maybe give me some of your thoughts on the prayer meetings after Trump lost the idea of do we curse leaders are we you know this attitude of hatred towards a president you know and, and being honest with you guys as a president I'm not fond of Joe Biden as much as any of you guys are. I, I don't ever watch a Joe Biden clip and go, yes, I'm so proud that's my president. Absolutely not. But I do tell you this, I get on my knees and pray for that man. I cry out saying, Lord, change him, save him, deliver him, use him, God touches life. And I, I cry out for him, I really do. At the same time, I have no, no liking towards him. I have no affinity towards him, but I cry out to God and I would never in a million years get on my platform and say, Lord, send curses. You know what are your thoughts on some of this it's crazy but this real dr brown am i lying did this not really happen in the churches
1: no it, it it really happened it's sick it's inexcusable it's shameful i talk about it in the book but one night my wife and i were in different parts of our house and and i just shot her a note because i was not in the bedroom i didn't know if she'd gone to sleep yet no she was downstairs so i came downstairs and she was sitting on the couch, and I just knelt next to it, and put my head on her knees, and just started sobbing. I said, "These are friends of ours. What oh. happened? These are friends of ours. What happened? We were both undone. We were completely distraught. You know, there there had been uh, one uh, one uh, government official and and a Trump attorney had gotten on and said the guy needs to be drawn in court. Okay, he's a New Yorker. He's just talking and." And, you know, he needs to be drawn and quartered and shot, something like that. And so I just posted. I said, would you at least say this is inappropriate as Christians, that you don't wish this on someone? No, it's, he needs worse punishment. No, it's treason. Wow. And, and There was no evidence. All it was was an accusation that he participated in election fraud. There was zero evidence to this day, zero evidence that it actually happened. But it it was, it was madness. And you think, what if Trump? did actually say storm the capitol it was what if he wanted that what if he told americans it's too late the government's against you you can't trust anybody but me take up arms there would have been millions of people who'd do it and and including many in the church there's a whole chapter about when prayers became partisan i saw people christian leaders taking verses promises about the messiah in the old testament and praying them for trump because he's an anointed one also wow And, and then you know, praying Psalms like 109, which call for curses on someone's grandchildren. Wow. I'm saying, are we calling down curses on Joe Biden's grandchildren? Christian are you kidding me? What, what, what about bless those who curse you? What about pray for those who persecute you and despite the use you? What about overcome evil with good? And wow. on and on and on it goes. This is some of the most shocking behavior I have ever seen. And honestly, I, I would not have believed it with some of the people, if you told me in advance, years in advance, I would not have believed it. It was that far off, that degenerate, that horrific, that inexcusable. And trust me to say it again, the world has been watching people. Say, I don't care what the left says. When you cause the name of Jesus to be mocked by Come people, on. you better care. When you send out a wrong spirit and advertise that and defame the gospel, you better care. When you make a mockery of the word of God and make good Christian people who would never do junk like that make them look bad, you better care. Because I've heard from person after person who went to share the gospel with others, and the moment they did, they said, "You're one of those Trump people." They mm. wouldn't listen to them. I I know of pastors that lost hundreds of people in the church, young people, because the young people had it with with the whole gospel getting so politicized and thinking, I'm not welcome in this church unless I'm a Republican Trump supporter. I'm sure it went the other way with people, you know, going the other side of this. But especially in conservative evangelical circles, it was was mainly in this direction. It's shameful. It's ugly. And worst of all, people just deny it. Mm. They just ignore it. They just skip on. You know, I call it hit and run leadership. You know, you smash into five cars and you wow. oh, just drive off. Wow. No, you can't just drive off. Or bait and switch leadership that we're pranked, overturn, overturn the election, overturn, overturn the fraud, city by city, overturn the fraud, overturn the fraud. And now, when it's too late and this is going to happen, you know, uh, we need to focus more on the kingdom. Some of you are so focused on politics. Like, Let us that way. You incited us that way. You got everybody all excited and worked out. Now you just want to skip on. You can't do that. We've got to do better. We blew it badly. I don't mean in voting for Trump. I mean in the way that we got in the flesh around Trump. We didn't change him as much as he changed us. Wow. And, and, and that's that's the worst thing of all, how the church got carnal, how, how we became vicious towards each other, how we mercilessly judged each other, how we cut people off. It unfriended them, wouldn't talk to them because they didn't share our political views and because they didn't they didn't agree with the latest QAnon conspiracy. I, again, I believe God was giving us over to judgment because of our lack of discernment, because of putting our trust in the arm of flesh. I do know Christian leaders who are close to Trump, who spoke the truth to him, who rebuked him. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the church in general. And I, I hope I never see anything close to this again for the rest of my life, but because I have not seen the recognition, the repentance, the repudiation, except from a few,
0: it deeply concerns me that we have not yet learned our lessons and I think it's so important tonight that we're even discussing this that you've written this new book which by the way guys this is a, a am I wrong th- about 300 pages if I'm not mistaken yeah I mean there that has all the information we're talking about tonight in depth I again I'm 80 percent done and I'm like finally somebody is speaking out to be honest Dr Brown for a while I thought maybe I'm the crazy one for not standing up here and preaching politics every week but I kept feeling the Lord saying no don't go in don't get involved don't get involved but sadly it created a divide in the church that now I think barely what two years later we're starting to see some of these people come back together even friends of mine that are we're kind of reconnecting over this but it did create a a sad divide and even let's just be honest the church's obsession with conspiracy theories now I already know the chat is going to go crazy right now because many of you in the chat are very highly involved in conspiracy theories we believe in spiritual powers principalities rulers of darkness evil hosts of wickedness Ephesians chapter 6. we know that demonic powers are in government controlling leaders controlling that is not what we're talking about when we talk about conspiracy theories that's not a conspiracy that's reality but what conspiracy theories have done has created all of these wacky ideas that everybody's out to get us everybody's you know trafficking and I got to be careful here because I know we'll get the thing flagged here but everybody's trafficking children and you know uh it's wild I mean you list all these conspiracies I learned about Q on in or Q and in, I don't know how to pronounce it I literally learned about Q through pastors Several pastors told me, oh, you got to keep up with Q. Oh, you got to see what Q is saying. Oh, and I'm I'm, t- I'm not kidding. Multiple pastors were telling me. I was wow. like, who's Q? Oh, Q is this high up person that knows everything that it was like, well, oh, you're talking about the Holy Spirit? No, no, it's Q. You got, he knows everything. He posts tweets out. You got to follow him. And, you know, right now this is happening in government. Everything he says comes to pass. And I was like, man, we are putting more trust. And these are, again, pastors, which is why it's so weird but we're putting more trust in conspiracies and in q than we are in jesus than we are seeking god what is your thoughts generally when it comes to conspiracies and the church i know the book of isaiah says like hey don't let conspiracies rule you don't get afraid like the world gets afraid of conspiracies. stay out of it you know stay in the truth but what are some of your thoughts on this whole conspiracy movement that we've seen again the chat's going to go crazy here it's okay because we're going to speak truth here tonight going on right now in the church
1: Yeah. So a few things. Again, there's a whole chapter in the book, uh, Enter Q, where I talk about this. And when I first started hearing about QAnon, I didn't know what it was or what to make out of it or who this was. And a colleague of mine, a research professor said, Mike, I'm going to look into it and spent thousands of hours researching, digging, learning, talking to sources, and then began to report a lot of what was being said. And then next thing I'm hearing preachers repeating the same stuff. And when I'm challenging on it, this I don't know who Q is. I'm getting this from inside sources, like, oh, please. Well, in any case, there are a number of factors that contributed to this. One is, for good reason, we don't trust a lot of the news outlets. For good reason, we think that, that especially on the left, when it comes to reporting on the right, there's a lot of inaccuracy or caricaturing or demonizing or even just reporting fiction and things like that. There was so much animosity towards Trump that, that many really said, we can't, we can't trust it. Or I can't trust any of the mainstream news on either side. I can't trust it. And there are reasons for it. There, there yeah. is a lot of fake news out yep. there, unfortunately. So that was one thing. Another thing is, we always have that sense of something, someone being against us because we're in the world and not of it. Mm. That, that We always have this sense, just like prophets, always know there's somebody opposing them. We kind of just know that, that people differ with us that they don't share our values that that there's you know a desire to shut us down so you kind of feel that as well and then there were some really important causes that were being talked about you know human trafficking and these kinds of things and and who doesn't care yeah. about those things and could they be true and and some things you know there, there was some junk out there that was true i'm not going to mention more words again so you don't get flagged but with with certain people and they've been arrested since and and so on. So there were some things and that was enough Then all the suspicion. And then Trump basically feeding into the suspicion. And the only one you can trust is me. And then what does it say in second Thessalonians two, ultimately about the antichrist, that they'll be given over to a spirit of deception because Mm -hmm. they refuse to love the truth. So especially those of us in charismatic Pentecostal circles, as we have not heeded discipline, as we have not heard rebuke, as we have not based things on truth and have gotten more and more unaccountable and more and more into all kinds of fantasy revelation, I believe in many cases, God gave us over to deception. Mm. So it, it's a mixture of things together. But look, there were, there were people, secular people, and when all the time frames went by and all the things that were supposed to happen, none of them happened, people began to say, non-believers, we we've been, we've been sold a bill of goods. We've been duped. We've been tricked. They began to wake up to it. And, you know, Isaiah, when you said during the show and before the show that I articulated what you were feeling in this book, that's what I'm hearing from reader after reader, a a 13 year old girl, the the daughter of a missionary family, uh, sent up our ministry years ago. She was listening to me speak Saturday at a, a conference with Daniel Kalenda, light the fire again in Pensacola. And I touched on some of this in my message And she texted her mom. They were in different parts of the building. She texted her mom saying, he's saying what we're all thinking. Mm. And that's the remarkable thing. It's the emperor's new clothes. So many people knew that something was wrong, but they felt, who am I to speak? I remember my wife, Nancy, coming to me and she said, I I don't feel like I can vote for Trump again in 2020. And she knew I was going to. She said, "I, I don't feel I can because I feel he's doing too much damage to the church and it's hurting the country. I don't want Biden in, but I don't feel I can vote for him. She said, but think of the pressure. She said, all these prophets are saying, Trump, 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 who are we to say they're wrong? So people feel this intimidation. If we would all speak, honestly, the intimidation would be broken. If we'd wow. all say, you know, with all respect, I don't agree with that. Or I don't see that. You must, you feel that way. You feel that way.
0: You feel that way. Whoa, there's a whole lot of us that do. And it, we kind of breaks the spell. So good. I want to ask you one last thing, uh, Dr. Brown, before I get you off here. I know we've gone here about an hour and 15. I'll ask you this and then we'll pray. Is there hope for revival in America? This is what we all want to know. You know, we obviously know we have a leader that is not for our rights not for christianity not for what god is doing uh, is there hope for america where do you see you've been a part of great revivals you are a revivalist you've said that many times you have many 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 books on revival and by the way let me side note here if you guys haven't read dr brown's books on revival you need to go check out some of his revival books he's written over 40 of them books but you need to go look at some of them that talk about revival where do you see just kind of a generalization of where you see america spiritually right now you've traveled all over you've seen god move in powerful ways we're in a weird place in america right now we're in a weird transition is there hope for america and are we going to see do you believe another another great awakening
1: i do believe we are going to see another great move of god a revival in the church and an awakening in the society i do believe we're going to see a gospel-based moral and cultural revolution it seems counterintuitive based on how dark things are now But all over America, there are pockets where God is moving. Churches that are thriving, young people getting radically saved and and committed, old people steady in the Lord. It, It is happening in different pockets. God also is not deaf to decades of prayer, day and night prayer for revival, massive rallies with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, praying, fasting, crying out. God has seen the tears. And I believe we're being humbled as a nation. I believe we're going from shaking to shaking to shaking and we could have massive upheaval. I mean, the nation could really go through difficult times, but all this I believe will get us on our faces crying out to the extent that we don't trust in the arm of the flesh, to the extent that we don't look to a person the way that we should look to God, to the extent that we, we don't look to politics to do what only the gospel can do. We can see God move. So we stay involved politically. But we make it our number one priority to go after God, to seek him earnestly, to repent of our own sins, to renew our first love for him and our love for the lost. And as we do, I believe God will visit. I believe even now God is looking for people he can trust. God is looking for people who will keep the main thing, the main thing. God is looking for people that he can trust with large numbers of people and resources That so he can pour his spirit out, so Jesus can be glorified. Remember, God is jealous for the reputation of Jesus, and only a sweeping move of God can restore that reputation in the eyes of so many Americans. Let it come through you. Let it come through me. If we humble ourselves before him, God will hear our cry
0: so good dr brown if you would pray us out amazing way to end it tonight guys we are going to do another live stream another uh podcast with dr brown q a throughout the entire thing so i know a lot of you have been having questions for him you've been wanting to ask we're going to do a no topic q a so literally ask and ask anything and ask dr brown anything segment um that will be coming hopefully in the near future and then also i still want to do a debate segment with you dr brown in the future as well I'm, i'm working on setting that up but if you would there's many in the chat right now i want you guys in the chat if your mind or or has been changed or you feel God is opening up your eyes God is breaking deception do me a favor type one in the chat because Dr Brown I know you're you're teaching you're preaching but there's many in the chat I've been watching I believe their eyes are being changed their ears are being opened to the truth and really your book is incredibly balanced and that's what I've heard all night long is yes we're still involved yes we believe yes we want to see God move but at the same time we are not to wrap the gospel in an American flag we are not to make The message, a political message, it is a gospel message. So I just really appreciate it. I wanna also say before you pray, everybody needs to grab this book. If you're still in here and you're bitter, you're angry, oh no, Trump, then you're, you're this, you know, you're just more Trump than Jesus and you're still mad, go get the book, get mad, get the book, Be mad when you open it and search out for truth and i promise you you're going to come out going wow i was wrong about all these ideas that i had the book is incredibly balanced it's incredibly biblical it's linked in the description down below you can also get on amazon i've linked his website usually that's a better way but if you want to get on amazon kindle if you want to get on amazon you can get it there as well but i do have the link right down below the best thing that you guys can do tonight is just get the book so you can all these questions you have obviously we went an hour and 10 minutes but there's a there's a lot more content in there that you can read about. So make sure you grab the book. But Dr. Brown, if you would, any final statements and then pray us out. That'd be awesome. Yeah, let's
1: let's let's pray. And Isaiah, Lord. thanks for all you do. And thanks for hosting me. Absolutely. And thanks for your willingness to be open and vulnerable. Absolutely. Father, you, we come to you, the Father of lights, the God of all flesh. And we put our hope in you, Lord. We cast ourselves on you saying, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Lord, send fresh fire into our hearts. Send fresh desire for you into our hearts. Desire to be with you. Desire to be like you, in character, in deed. Lord, clothe us afresh with the power and life of your Holy Spirit. Give us a great burden for the things that are important to you. Burden us, Lord, for the lost, May we get back to great commission love. May we see disciples really made. May we see Jesus glorified. Shake what must be shaken, not just in our nation, but in the nations of the world. Pour out your spirit afresh on your people that awakening may come to the nations of the world so that Jesus would be glorified. Lord, we made terrible mistakes. We confess together as a body our immaturity, our deception, our carnality. We ask you to forgive us and cleanse us. And we pray, Lord, that the days ahead, be the greatest, most mind-boggling days we have ever seen. Days where only you will get the praise and the glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. So good. I thank God for what he's doing in your ministry, Dr. Brown. Where else can they find you? Where else can they follow you? I know I've I've linked most of your stuff down below. Is there anything else you wanted to announce or just kind of talk about here that they could yeah, find Yeah,
1: just you at? Uh, ask ask dot org. Those who've wanted to go to Israel, we still have some seats left for our, our tour to Israel next May. So that's on the homepage, askdrbrown.org. But you can find out about the daily radio show there. We're we're about to massively revamp our website, just about to release that, release some new apps. So if folks sign up for the emails at askdrbrown.org, we'll let you know when the apps have been released, when your resources are available. And every week I'm I'm writing only five or six op-eds dealing with what's happening in the world around us. So let us keep you informed and serve you AskDrBrown.org, Center for the emails, and we'll, we'll get you on our
0: welcome tour, starting with my story from LSD to PhD. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiasaldivar.com for more content, and please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.